Hey everybody, this is Lonnie Sweet from the Sweet Management Group, and you are either listening to or watching the Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast, where we talk to uh, sales executives from the culinary, sports, general business, and entertainment worlds about their journey, uh, about being a salesperson in this industry, and what it took to get to where they are today. So whether you're listening in your earbuds, or you're sitting in front of your computer, I appreciate you stopping by and hope you enjoy. All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the uh, Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast. I'm Lonnie Sweet, the CEO of Sweet Management Group, formerly the Connect Group. I am here uh, with a really good, I'm not going to say old friend. It seems like everybody I have on here, we've, I've known for so many years, but Kristen and I actually go back to the beginning days uh, when I was still in college and I did my internship at Wolf Associates. Uh, you're seeing Kristen Kliga. She is um, a longtime sports marketing executive. She now oversees business development over at Vanguard Sports after she moved her company or merged her company um, with them a handful of years ago. She's also a broker dealer over at Justin Markets. More importantly, or maybe not more importantly, Kristen is one of the first female NFL agents in the business. She's been doing this for 20 plus years has worked with some outstanding Hall of Fame NFL clients, Doug Flutie being uh, the one that I was initially, you know, when I was in college, I was getting tacos for and um, Kristen was, was representing at the time. Um, she's one of the most well-respected executives in sports marketing. Uh, notice how I didn't say female executive. She's just an executive. Uh, and so I, I'm fired up because Kristen and I have known each other for such a long time and we're talking about being in sales and being, you know, kind of the best in the business. Kristen was one of the first people um, that came to mind. So what's up? Thanks so much for having me, Lonnie. Appreciate it. Um, you this got is it. Exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we go way back uh, to the beginning. That's for sure. I wish yeah. I could say I was only 15 at the time, but that, I think that you were only 15. We, yeah. we were all only 15 back then, Kristen. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I think it also brings up a good a good point of, of, of what we're going to talk about is, you know, what is sales and, uh, you know, it's really building relationships. In, for sure. And, you know, the fact that we can sit here right now, 25 years, I don't even know, 20 something years later. And, you know, I know that I can always count on you if I have something that, you know, I'm like, hey, I need this or I need that. And same here, hopefully. And we've done a lot of business along the ways. And, and I think that that's really, you know, successful salespeople know that it's not about the quick, cheesy sale. It's about developing the relationship. So I'm, I'm really proud and happy to say that you're still a friend and we still do business together and, um, and do it the right way. For sure. You know, it's funny. I, I look back a lot at, at, at my career and kind of the places that I've been and the stops that I've that I, and I've, I've been in a handful. Right. We were just talking how I went to the Tennis Hall of Fame, you know, after Wolf Associates. But when I think about places that really impacted my life, Wolf was such a huge part of it. Right. And, and even more so, I think about the people that were there that I'm still friends with. Right. Like, hey, Melissa Kaplan has been a friend of mine for you know, since those days, 20 plus years, obviously Monaghan is now over at the PJ and Brian is there. Yeah. I mean, Grace obviously is a, a big time executive over at CAA. There's so many just other people, Dan Preci, who was an intern there um, and Justin, who's now over at the, I just think about how many great people came from such a small organization and that's right. not even getting into all the other agents, you know, that were over there as well. Uh, and I think about like, and I, I'm always thinking about this environment that we're in today in this COVID environment where kids don't have an opportunity to be in a, 
in hallways and in offices. And I'm so grateful for that, that I had that chance. I was whatever, I was, I don't know, 19 years old, you know, 20 years old when I was sitting walking through those offices of Wolf and I still think about it like it was yesterday. I was, I was, I was always the first one in, first one out kid, or last one out kid, right? And I remember, um, you know better than I do, Bobby Orr, who was, you know, the owner of, of Wolf. The guy was there at like six o'clock in the morning, right, every day. And so I got there. I think it was like at seven o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking through the hallways. Maybe like my first week that I was there. A couple, it was a couple weeks in, and I remember walking down the hallway, and he was coming the other way, and he hit me into the wall. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, the Boston kid, right? Bobby Orr just hip checked me into the wall. And I got back to my cubicle. I called my dad. I was like, dad, you're not going to fucking believe it, right? Bobby Orr just hip checked me into the wall. And it was like one of those cool experiences. And I, I just, I have such fond memories of you. I have such fond memories of Chip Reeves and Jay and Brian and, and Dave Sergio that it, it like warms me to think back to those days. Yeah, no, it's really, you know, you think about the success of everybody there that went on. Pam, Pamela Wheeler and I just reconnected. You know, yeah. she's now setting up diversity and inclusion at um, at an insurance company before it was one of the top executives at the WNBA Players Association. Um, you know, Jay Monahan, commissioner of the PGA, um, you know, everyone else that that you mentioned, Chip Ree is very successful entrepreneur sold his business you know Phil's working in on in sports marketing um you know it's uh, Paul Kropelka assistant GM of um of uh, the Miami Hurricanes now so you go on and on and and you know I guess it's you know we were cooking up something really good there um but yeah, it was pretty cool you know having Bobby Orr walk around with a hockey stick and you know you know <laughs> hit you I remember it, those warm cookies too. He he had a partnership with the Holiday Inn or whoever it was that double had, had double tree that they used to bring those warm cookies, and I was like, oh my god, these cookies are delicious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, it, it's it's been awesome, and it's been great to see your journey, Lonnie, over the years, and um, you know, through um, you know, all your your successes and and having your own business, and and I know firsthand, you know, the grind. Yeah takes to make that happen so it is let's let's do i want to go back to that in a second but you, just for for the people that are listening um, or people that are going to be listening can you give like the quick bio on you because it, it really is an interesting kind of journey right you you really are a, a kind of trailblazer for our industry at least from on the female side so i would love for you just to give a quick um quick overview quick bio what you've been doing sure. Sure. So, you know, as you mentioned, I started my career as an intern at Wolf Associates, which in the mid 90s, right out of law school, um, went to UMass Amherst undergrad, which I know we have that in Whoa. common. Yeah, go Minutemen. And um, what, went to Suffolk Law and then started as an intern. Uh, I actually was going to work for the Army JAG Corps, believe it or not, and um, met Gary Wolf through a mutual friend and um, in Greg Clifton and, and started as an intern. And as you mentioned, I was always the first one in, the last one out. Um, work, my first jobs were working on salary arbitration cases in, in um, hockey and, and baseball and uh, writing those briefs and, and you know, really analyzing the comps. And, and I think that actually gave me a really good understanding of negotiating contracts and, and really sales in general, because that's what you're doing. You know, you're trying right. to 
the other side, why they should buy or pay so much for your client. Um, also um, worked on, um, on uh, you know, none of the uh, agents wanted to bring any of our clients to, um, to arbitration who didn't pay. And when Bob Wolf had passed away, it was a big issue. So I was kind of thrown into that, into the, into the wolves then. And then, um, you know, worked on really every capacity that I could was in-house counsel, helped the family sell the business to Arnold Advertising, um, worked with a bunch of the agents on the marketing, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that always resonated with me was there was um, one agent um, early on in my career that said, you know, there's no way we'd hire an effing woman as an agent. A woman can't be an agent. And I always took that to heart to be like, what do you mean? Like, I can do all this other work. I can understand the collective bargain agreements better than you. I can, you know, write all the briefs, et cetera. And yet I, I couldn't be the client facing agent. Um, like it just didn't make sense to me. And I always held that in the back of my mind and I didn't know how, I didn't know when, but I was going to prove them wrong. So, um, uh, those of you who know me, uh, you know, people that know me know, like, if you tell me, no, I'm going to try to figure out a way to get to you. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, um, you know, was, was that Wolf for seven, eight years, met some, you know, worked with some great people, um, produced a show for ESPN with Corey Everson and oh. sold all the sponsorship for that. Um, and, uh, and started working with Doug Flutie when he was playing up in the Canadian football league and, you know, kind of the, the, the when I first started, there were no other, you know, female agents and the guys were like, Hey, why don't you handle Doug? So I started working with Doug and worked just as hard for him, you know, on small little appearances up in, in, in Canada as, you know, I did for his contract with the Chargers with 35 million, whatever it was that way back in 2001. So been working with Flutie now for 28 years. Um, so started with Doug there, you know, with Jack Mula and, and, and some of the other agents, we brought him back to the NFL with the Bills. Um, you know, we, with the team, Kim Zayati, myself and some others helped to start Flutie Flakes um, with PLB Sports and, yeah. and Flutie Flakes, which was expected to sell 60,000 boxes in the first year, sold that in the first week. You know, it, 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 you know, we thought of putting his charity on the side, his foundation for autism, the Flutie Foundation on the side of the box. Um, I think it was that combined with him going in the week that we launched the box, going in to win the game and three seconds left on, I think it was a naked bootleg against Tom Coughlin at Jacksonville, his old coach. And, you know, all of that was the perfect storm in a good way. Um, Chris Berman eating Flutie Flakes on Monday Night Football. You, you know, you plan for that. And so they ended up doing three and a half million boxes, et cetera. So anyway, fast forward, I, I left Wolf to go for to a venture capital firm um, to work in business development, bringing in investors to the firm. And we it was terrible timing 2000 through 2004 from a VC standpoint with the dot com bubble bursting. But when I left, uh, Doug uh, Flutie left and asked with me and asked if I would represent him on the contract side. So I got my NFL PA certification back in 2001. The Bills released Doug, I kept Rob Johnson. I know, I see you roll your eyes. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I never understood that when you have somebody that was like, his record was 29 and 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 you keep the guy that was eight and 29. But it, it you know, it was a great, it was a great opportunity for Doug to go to the Chargers. I, I negotiated his contract there, um, which 
at the time was, you know, one of the top um, backup quarterback or, or, you know, older quarterback contracts. I think it was $35 million deal. Um, first couple of years guaranteed. And yeah, I, I didn't even realize that, you know, I was the one of the first women to negotiate, um, you know, an NFL, con- a major NFL contract like that. Right. So until uh, Will McDonough from the Boston Globe, the late Will McDonough, you know, called me up and he said, hey, honey, you know, you were the first woman. I don't know any <laughs> other woman. So so that was kind of fun to be able to, you know, pave the way, hopefully in some way, um, former fashion. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I really enjoyed the venture capital side of things. We incubated a company. Um, I helped to sell that company to another company, um, one of the, the companies we had incubated and, um, and went on to consult with them. And that kind of allowed me to start my own business. Uh, and picked up the Patriots won the first Super Bowl right around that time, picked up a few clients. And so organically, it just kind of happened that I started my own business with a book of clients. And, um, and then, you know, went on to merge the company once and kind of took it back and um, sold it or merged it back in 2017 with Vanguard Sports. Joby Branion um, had just started Vanguard. He had left Athletes First and was really trying to start a boutique agency with some quality players like Vaughn Miller, Keenan Allen, um, DJ Reader, uh, you know, and some others. And um, and so I, I had up business development there. Uh, you know, along the way, when I had my own business, I, you know, because of the VC background, I would see a lot of opportunity that would come to the table for the athletes to receive equity and exchange right. their name and likeness or just royalties with no guarantee um, or put money into privately held deals. And so I was able to kind of analyze those, those companies and some really great opportunities, but a lot of them needed help in business development. And so I jump in and help them in, in business development in a lot of ways. And then through that, um, they a lot of them needed to raise capital. So I initially started just um, talking to different um, investors that I knew, more team owners and that network, and then was sponsored by a boutique broker dealer to get my, my FINRA licenses, which I did um, back in 2016. And I recently moved my licenses over to Justly Markets, which is um, a member of FINRA and SIPC. Um, And we work with companies that are in the social impact space and we help them raise capital. Um, And if it's that isn't in the social impact space, we donate a portion of our fees to nonprofits. And I ironically met them through the Flutie Foundation, and they were, um, they are a supporter of the Flutie Foundation. So, you know, it all kind of comes together, right? All of those twists and turns throughout your career path. And, and the ironic part is, you know, that the sports and developing that relationship with Doug all those years ago, you know, now brings me to what I'm doing also on the, the capital raise side. So, you know what I love about you, Kristen? I love that, first off, you're super well-respected. I've never heard anybody say a shitty word about you. That's the first thing. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, you, you, know, you know, my ex-husband and boyfriend, but. Yeah. <laughs> Screw them. I, I, I met anybody that really mattered. Um, <laughs> and I love that you've always been, you know, you know, we're talking about sales, we're talking about business development, relationship building. You've always been a grinder, but but always up. You're doing lots of large deals, right? Like over the years, but it, at least, from our experience, right? It's always about doing, you know, we, we had the Flutie restaurant deal and we had, you know, you did Flutie Flakes and it's still about one-off appearances. And so it's, 
you're such a great relationship builder. And I think you've got a certain sense of, um, you know, style of selling, which I just think is awesome, right? Like you know, we talked about before getting on, you know, I think that that is really intriguing to me about how, how you, you figure out your style, right? And how do you figure out your comfort zone of how you actually sell? And I also, the other thing I was thinking about before we got on, you've had a lot of really great people working for you. Like over the years, I just, whenever we're doing deals, it's always like, well, I've got this intern or I've got this, you know, young woman who's working for me. I've got this person. They always seem to flourish after working for you, which I think is really a testament to you. So I'm just curious, like, What's that been like for you? Like finding your sense of style, finding your comfort zone, finding out how to work a room. Like what's that process been like for you? Sure. Yeah. You know, I think it, and, and it, it, it is so key, right? Is know your audience in a sense, right? Yeah. Like who are you selling to? Because your style could be different if you're, you know, selling a player to get them to represent you versus selling a company to sponsor your athlete or, selling a sponsor or an investor. And so, you know, I think for me, it's, it's always really understanding who it is that you're talking to, do your research, understand what they're all about um, right. and really, um, you know, kind of talk to them. But I think, you know, my overall style and, and maybe it's just, you know, because I've been, you know, for years, one of the only women, you know, has always been to kind of use a sense of humor. Um, and that sort of, sort of, evens the playing field, I feel like, and even the most curmudgeon, you know, people usually can kind of crack a smile. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I, and I think that that's always been my defense mechanism, maybe because, you know, I, I, there's been a lot of shit that I've had to deal with. And so for me, you can go two ways. You can either like say, this isn't for me, or right. you double down. And when I double down, I think humor has always been kind of my way to go. And, you know, I feel like you can get a lot more done with a smile and it's harder for people to say no than, yeah. you know, bitching at them and, you know, you know, pounding your fist and screaming, yelling. Um, yeah. And uh, someone had a, I, there was a great quote that someone said, you know, about someone that was yelling and screaming at them. And they said, you know what? I've been yelled and screamed at a lot worse by a lot better. And it just always <laughs> with me that, you know, if you can do it in a way that you don't a burn a bridge, cause you never know when you're going to be working with, you know, that person again. Yeah. And, 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 and more than anything, understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Because I think that, the, the, the building of the burning of bridges, right? Like I think we always say like, you never know when that person's assistant is going to be the president of some company, right? Like, I think we're all a testament, even going back to those wolf days, like, Listen, I, I was an intern. You were an intern. Monahan was, you know, he was just running consulting at that time, right? We, there were so many people that when you think back, I started. Yeah. yeah, like all of these people that, you know, deserve value, right? Like just because they don't have the title doesn't mean that they are intelligent or valued or smart or have a, a point of view. I think for, for young people all the time, and I, I remember sitting at SFX thinking to myself, like, how the hell did that person get a meeting with a CMO? Or how the hell did, how the hell can I get in the room with the VP of marketing, whatever it may be? And when you, when you grow up, you're like, oh shit, that was the person that they knew 20 years ago that they were out having drinks with and they were building relationships with. And it didn't just happen overnight, it happens over time, which is always intriguing to me, right? Like I think you and me are cut from the same cloth in terms of building relationships and enjoying ourselves. And listen, we're, 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 I'm great. 
grateful that we're not in a in a shitty industry, right? Like I don't know how many Super Bowls you've been to, but I've been to you know almost twenty now, right? And and I always kind of justify in my brain, yes, I'm going there for work, but it's also a damn good time, right? Yeah. And being in a place where you can share memories and share experiences, and next time you're sitting at a negotiating table, it's not just about you know, hey, hard numbers. It's about a relationship, and more importantly like knowing where that other person is coming from and having an understanding of kind of them as a human being. Like this is, this podcast's name is, you know, never sell ice to Eskimos. Cause I think it's like the person that says, well, you're such a good sales guy that you could, you know, sell ice to Eskimos. Well, it's really stupid if you think about it, right? The, the Eskimo doesn't need ice and they're going to go tell every other Eskimo that they know that like this jerk off just sold me ice. Right. Yeah. And so I think understanding where they're coming from, like you alluded to before, I think is, is really important. Um, how do you teach that? Like, again, like I said, you're really good at like people growing underneath you and moving on to better positions or whatever it may be. Like all the people that you've always, you know, been a part of our deals, they all, all really seem to get it. Like, how do you, how do you translate that to, to the next generation? Sure. Um, I, you know, I, I think that, that the biggest way is, is by, you know, showing them the work, letting them listen in, letting them be part of it giving them helpful criticism on how they can be better. How can they make it more personal? Um, I do think though, that, you know, that there are salespeople and there aren't salespeople, right? right. I think that, that some people it's just not in their comfort zone to be able to ask people for something and to sell. Um, and so I think that's something to really help, you know, people that work for you understand early on because you can't put, a square peg in a round hole. And yeah. if somebody's not comfortable building relationships in order to sell, I think it's going to be really hard down the line to be able to, you know, to sell that deal. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, or any deals. Um, so I think that that's something that, that, you know, people that are, have the ability to sell is let it, let them be around you. Let them see what you're doing, how you're doing it. Listen in on the phone calls, come to meetings with you. And yeah. you know, I've been incredibly fortunate to have amazing people that have interned for me or work for me. Um, one um, woman in particular, I'd like to shout out is, is Kim Mayali, who yeah. uh, is, is an, a law student of mine and, and now is running football for rock nation. Um, right has multiple first round picks and, you know, really kicking butt. Um, and, you know, I've, you know, other, other, you know, obviously other people that have gone on that have interned or worked for me that have, you know, done amazing things, but in different roles, you know, yeah. um, there's one woman that's worked for me that now is director of operations, Kat White. She'd probably hate that I even make mention her name on here, but, you know, she's an operations person and she's amazing. And, you know, I could, she's now 13 years, I think. And, you know, I couldn't have done what I did without her and without her role that she played. And, you know, she does sell, but she likes the operations better. So right. you know, I think it's also finding the people in the roles that, that they need. Um, but from a sales perspective, I think it's really 
you know, like all of us, we learn from example. Um, and I hate that word. Like, what does that mean? Lead by example. It's more of, of the experience and, you know, saying what, doing what you say you're going to do, the follow-up, how you interact, being prepared, understanding, you know, where the other side is coming from, you know, learning, you know, going on to LinkedIn, who do you have in common with them? Yeah. What do you have in common with them? They like yoga. They, you know, they, you know, read these books, go on their social media, like learn who they are. And, and we have so much, you know, younger people have so much now that we did not have when we didn't have the internet, you know, of, 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 of uh, out what people are about. I, rem- I remember back in the old days, really anywhere, you would get the Boston Business Journal, right? Like the only way that you started gathering information about the companies that were based in Boston, you're like, it was really hard to get information back in the day. Like it, it took, a really long period of time and there was no way that you would be able to get info on a CMO in a blink of an eye to your point. Like, do they have kids? What is your connection? Where are they from? Like, listen, I've had a 617 cell phone number my entire life. It's the only number I've ever had in my life, right? Literally the only cell phone. We got them when we were at Wolf. <laughs> yeah. And I love it because it oftentimes gives me a door opener, right? It oftentimes is like, Oh shit! You're from your six one seven number. Are you a Massachusetts guy, or are you from Massachusetts? Like it's it's like that initial connection point to break the ice. Um, but that comes from knowledge, right? It comes from understanding who you're talking to, and I also think more so it comes from like being okay to say no. Meaning, not every company you should be attacking, not every company you should be going after. Like back in the day, I always felt like at least on when I was selling or at least being aggressive, it was like, I would just keep that funnel as, as deep as possible. Right. It didn't really matter if, if what I was trying to sell them made sense for them. It was like full blown numbers game, right? hundred in 10 calls back. Maybe I'll get a deal close as I've matured. And I think you probably feel the same way. Not every call is the same and not every brand needs to be targeted because after you do your research, maybe you've read something that like, They've had a bad experience with athletes or they don't want to work with chefs or whatever it may tell you that like it's just a waste of time right to go after somebody that doesn't want to be sold something yeah 100 and i i think that you know it's and i'm the same way it's it's i it's really hard for me to say no you know yeah. i want to try with everybody i want to try and and open the doors with every you know company that you're trying to sell to or whatever entity you're trying to sell to but your time is a commodity and 100%. so you have to, you know, try, you know, we have to try to be efficient and, you know, really targeting who you're going to go after. And, you know, I'd rather, you know, go out, go after 10 and get three calls as opposed to a hundred and maybe you get one. Now you you have to develop those relationships. So when you're early on your career, you have to reach out to those hundreds and I, I believe, but be more strategic about those hundreds that you are too. Um, and it's also, you know, it takes just as long and hard to sell a small little, you know, appearance, right. For, for, you know, an early, you know, you know, you know, a young athlete or young chef or right. As it does, you know, the, you know, the big, and actually probably more time and more. I actually think it's harder. I think it's harder to do a big deal for Forgione or, you know, for us to do something with Von Miller, right? So 
you have to be, you know, you have to have that pipeline, you know, of the new ones. Um, but you know, it's, it's also a matter of your time and trying to be efficient. And that's always my constant battle is, you know, how do I, how do I do everything in a, you know, in a 24 hour period and you can't, you know, your personal life or your health or something's going to go. So it's really trying to hone in on, you know, really understanding who you go after, what they're looking for. And we have so many things now, right? Like Sponsor United and Winmo and, you know, all these things that we can look up that just Google, like, what are these companies? Yeah. What what would you, you know, to that point, right? If you're you're looking back to your younger self, like what what what's that like, like one or two things that you would tell your younger self now that you've learned over the years, right? Like again, I, I think about this all the time, right? I think there's there's way more than a couple of them, but like if you could distill a couple of those most important things that you would tell the Kristen from you know from Wolf 25 years ago. That you can't do everything yourself. Um right. and I think, you know, you know, one of the things when I started my own business, despite the fact that I had worked for a VC firm, you know, prior to that, I saw how Wolf sold the business to, you know, Arnold Advertising with different investors, part of the group is, you know, really, I think when I started my own business, I would have brought in some financial partners Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, and really helped to hire and grow the business um, in, you know, probably faster and more efficient um, and in ways where I didn't have to take on every little client to just pay the bills and and not which which I think took away from the long term goal. And when you have that capital that you don't have to worry about taking on, you know, a $5,000 event because you need to make payroll that month, right? right? And that's a big time suck from taking away some big opportunity that you could have that may take six months or a year to close. Um, and that's really what I think, you know, either taking on some capital so that I could afford to focus on the bigger picture, um, which kind of goes back to, you know, kind of what we were talking about before, right, of being efficient and not saying yes to every client, every deal and, and going after everybody to, you know, to selling 100 people as opposed to, picking and choosing the right strategic fits for who you're trying to, to target. So that, that's definitely, you know, something that I think I would have done differently. Um, And, and I may have, 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 you know, sucked it up and, 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 you know, worked for, for a bit, you know, a bigger corporation for a few more years to get a little bit more, stability, uh, you know, financial stability, you know, I just was sort of like, I'm going for it. And, um, you know, so those are a couple of things that I think I would have done differently. So funny. Those two are what are two things I think about a lot. The first one for sure, right? Like being able to have a partner in the room who, who is in the same fight as you are, right? Like I know you did it alone for a long time. I did it alone forever, right? A long, a long time. And I used to say, I even say to people when they start their own business, like I used to talk to the wall and expect the wall to talk back and it never did. Right. And so, you know, you get into these moments where even creatively from a sales perspective, like it's really helpful to have somebody else in a different perspective, think through a challenge, right. Or think through, a, you know, creatively think through an opportunity or a deck or, or an idea just because they see the world from a different point of view. Right. And being able to, yeah, going back and being able to, again, I would have had, I would have taken on a partner, 
for sure from from the get right like if i if i could change anything in my career it would have been trying to find a partner from the get when i started you know connect sports entertainment however many years ago now you know i know that now right but the reality is i also think yeah there's so much value though to figuring it out on your own all right and you know you're a get you're a get shit done girl right like and you learn that because you didn't have another fucking choice right, right. like you had to it was either that or you didn't eat that month or you didn't pay your rent that month or whatever it may be i feel that i feel grateful for having to do that same thing like i started my company in 2008 right when the first financial meltdown fucking happened and there wasn't any other choice it was like go up the ladder and they burned it at the bottom and you just kept right. going um but it's super valuable yeah. insight for sure. Yeah. And to that point, I think I always felt as though I could go always go get a job if I needed to, right? And um, and so I think that also having that comfort level or that whether I could or not, I don't know, but uh, could have, um, but I always kind of felt like I could. And so I think that also helped me to kind of keep going. But yeah, yeah someone, um, somebody told me a, a quote, they're like, oh, you have your, your own business. So you know what it's like to, to, to pray at the mailbox on the 15th and the 30th of every month. And I was like, what do you mean? And they said, cause you're praying that there's a, a check that's in there so you can make payroll. That's right. For sure. You know, it's funny, the job thing I, I always do when I, when I think about kids and we're asked the question about like, what, what do you want to impart on other kids that work for you, whatever it may be. I always think there's only two types of people in every organization. That's it. You're the revenue generator or you're an expense. That's it. Right. You're either making money for a company and covering your own ass or you're costing the company money. Now, you can make an argument that advertising or marketing, whatever it may be, leads to sales and revenue. The reality is there's a frontline person, right? And to your point about always getting a job, I always felt the same way. I always know that if I walked into somebody's office and be like, listen, I know I can go make money for you. I know. It. I just, I, I know, it, right? Like, you know, I, I used to have an old boss and we used to have the same, like, put me naked with a phone and phone book in the middle of Times Square and I'll figure out how to make money. Right? That, that's just what we were good at, right? And I think that's a really valuable lesson to learn how to sell because that's always something you can walk in to a boss's, you know, office or walk into a building and have real confidence that I can cover my ass. Right. right? And I think I always had that. I always had that same sense of, all right, if this doesn't work, I'm good. I'll go find a job selling for somebody else. And doing. I never really wanted to do that, uh, but always had the confidence knowing that I, if I needed to, I, I, I could actually do that. Right. And, and I think also, you know, Lonnie, it's because, you know, you have an amazing network and it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning is developing those relationships. You know, you're, you have a plethora of opportunities of just people that, you know, that would consider hiring you if they're hiring because they know you, they, they, they respect you. You've built those relationships over the years. So yeah. it kind of does come full circle. Um, yeah. you know, Right. I also think that relationship building doesn't always have to be trying to sell somebody either. No, but that's no. the other thing that I learned that sometimes just like, hey, dropping your line to say, what's up? How you doing? How's the family? With no expectations other than just like checking in and saying hi. 100%. And, you know, there are, you know, former GMs that in the you know NFL that I know that, you know, when did I call? I called them when they lost their jobs. And I just right. said, hey, I can do anything. I'm here. You know, let me know. And I can't tell you how many have said, wow, you know, you know who your friends are, you know, you know, the people you can count on. and, you know, I would hope that somebody does the same for me, you know, so um, it's, it's, it's also about being there when people aren't at the top, 
you know, when they're going through the hard times, right? And, and you know, hey, how can I help you? I mean, we've both been in those situations with each other down the lines. And, and Absolutely. listen, let's, let's work together. We're going to figure this out. Like communication is huge, right? Is, you know, and particularly like communication is easy when shit's going great. But when shit's not going great and you can't pay a certain bill or you can't, you know, this, it's like, hey, you know, I'm expecting this client to pay here. This is when I can get to you. You know, I do something in good faith or, you know, so it's like when times aren't great is when I think you show your true, I guess, sales and relationship skills, right? It's a super valuable point, Kristen, like re- really valuable point to, to always be there for people, regardless if they're up or down. And they, I, I do the same thing. Like if somebody loses their job, you see they're out looking. It's always about how can I help? Like we've built this network really for that reason to help, right? And whether you're trying to close a deal or help solve a problem, like that's at the end of the day what relationships are about, right? It, is the idea of how do you actually go and help people? Um, and that could be achieve a marketing objective or... Um, find a job. And I think that's, that's really valuable insight. Yeah. And, you know, just going back though, to, um, you know, the, there are people that are in the revenue generating side and people that aren't, that are costs. You know, I also have to look at though, you know, if, if I'm out there generating revenue, you know, part of that is I have somebody that is doing the books, somebody that is, you know, doing the administrative stuff like that yeah. is, Part of generating revenue, like because I don't think a salesperson can do all of that effectively without having those people. So while it's a cost per se, you have to attribute that to the overall sales that are coming in. And so that's thing that it's a great point. I only make that I think that there's it's a great point. The hundred percent great point. But right? you're gonna you do it all organization and you're if you were to go get a job you're going to come in in the revenue generating side and not on the other side yeah i think revenue generators are harder to find than than others i think a really great business development salesperson is really hard to find and it's an incredibly valuable skill for everybody to have i don't care if you're selling up to your mom i don't care if you're selling up to your boss i don't care if you're selling to a brand the idea of seeking to understand somebody's position first and then being able to uh, you know try to hopefully get them to understand your position so everybody can win. Um, it, it's an art form. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. And, and you know, I think at the end of the day, it takes a lot of confidence, you know, and, and it, I don't know, there are a lot of times I don't have confidence when I'm selling, I'm nervous. I'm, I don't know, you know, what the person's, you know, looking for, um, you know, but it is, it's, it's like a, you have to dig deep and, yeah. and, and, I always say to to some of the young interns that I have is, what's the worst thing that can happen? They say no. They say no. You know, most of the time you're going to get a no one's going to answer you. You know, but the worst case, someone's going to say no. Um, You know, I have a lot of our. You know, we still do some charity events, and you know, one of the the tasks I give the interns, and I know from this whether they have the ability to sell or not is to go around and get charity auction items from yeah. business and go in and actually, you know, not email emails, fine. Like they do that, but physically go into hotels and restaurants and boutiques and say, who can I speak to? You know, we're doing this charity auction for pediatric cancer or, you know, what or you know, breast cancer research foundation or the Flutie foundation. And, you know, would you be willing to donate? Who's your manager? Who, how do, who should I speak to? This is, you know, what we do. And, 
Yeah. You know, if you can't sell like a nonprofit that is doing good, you know, and if someone's going to be a jerk to you about that, then that's their issue. And that's the way oh, I do. Um, but, um, you know, so that's, I think, always a good cue for me if someone has sales capacity or not. Yeah, it, it's a great it's a great one. Um, so listen, we're, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, what else? Anything else you, you want to talk about? Anything else you want to bring up? What's the future hold? What's what's uh, what else is on your mind? Oh, well, you know, I think, you know, I'm really excited about, you know, the, the new opportunity that I have with with Justly uh, Markets. And, you know, we're, we're working with some interesting companies to help them raise capital. And I just started about six, seven weeks ago. So awesome. um, you know, that's my my uh, my new uh, gig, but, you know, still focused on on the sports side as well. And, um, you know, we're we're doing some recruiting for next year and and. Hopefully we can continue the momentum that we had the past two years um, on the NFL representation side from, from my perspective. And then, um, you know, just, uh, you know, still involved in some of the nonprofit work. And, you know, that's a big passion of mine and um, always have this, this business that, that we had started my boyfriend and I a few years ago called Yoga Teeny, which is kind of finding your balance yoga with craft cocktails after we trademark the logo and it's always kind of sitting in the back of my mind and I think I'd probably bring it up because it would be great to do something at one of your restaurants and yeah. like do have a do yoga and then go to forages for craft cocktails and um but that's a whole you know it's that's a whole nother job that <laughs> there's somebody i want to introduce you to who just moved down to austin about two years ago she started she came from the restaurant industry she started a um in in new york she started a boxing and yoga business right so you would would, i think it's called box and flow so you would box and then you would do yoga it might be a perfect connection to yogatini that would be awesome. That would be yeah, awesome. What's you know the new name with the new company? What made yeah. you? You know what? I, I we were going through a rebrand of the Connect Group, and we were redoing our website. I kind of sat back and was like, and it goes back to this relationship. Like, does it make sense to change our name? Nobody really knows what the Connect Group was. And I called the client. I was like, Hey, what, what does the Connect Group mean to you? And she's like, Honestly, it doesn't mean shit. She's like, We do business. I do business with you because of you right? We've been doing business together for 12 years. And so, you know, the connection to me, at least starting the, the agency and, you know, I've got a, a pretty direct relationship with all my clients just kind of made sense, right? We're, we're, you know, the connect group was really connect sports and entertainment. Uh, and now that we've evolved so much into this culinary lifestyle side, it just, it just seemed like a right time to change the name. Right. Yeah. yeah. So no, yeah, I'm excited for this. I love it. I think it's great. It <clears> says, it is. I mean, it's obviously it's your name, but you know, it has so many connotations with chefs yep. and, you know, it, and so I think it's, I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Well, listen, I, I love this conversation. I love seeing you. I always love talking to you. Um, I'm looking forward to the next time we can share some drinks, whether it's in New York or, or wherever else it may be. Yeah, come uh, to court and visit. Um, I don't know if you have any chefs here, but let me know. And um, yeah, always, always, uh, you treat me well when I get to your restaurant. So well, when you when you next time you come to New York, we're opening up a new restaurant at the end of this month at the end of August or Forges, um, end of July, beginning of August called One Fifth. Um, so next time you're in town, we'll, we'll go grab some pasta. Where's it going to be? Remember the Octo space? 
um, an old Mario Batali restaurant called Otto. So it's actually at one Fifth Avenue. So right uh, about a block north of Washington Square there. Okay, great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Um, and uh, all right, we'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Thank you so all much. Right, Have a great one.